With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the A Minute to Midnight Show, folks, and I'm coming from New Zealand. My name's Tony, and I've got two uh, guys on the line in different parts of America, and both of these guys are moderators on the A Minute to Midnight um, Facebook group. And so they're Fred and Gary. It's great to be talking to you two today. It's been a while since we've been on together, the three of us. Yeah, it has, and uh, it's good good to hear you guys. Thanks, hey, Tony. Hey, Fred. Good to hear from you too. And uh, thanks for having us on <laughs> again, Tony. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it's a really good timing. Uh, as you know, we uh, had a show uh, with Scott Chapman t- talking about the Grand Solo Minimum just a few days ago, and I think that's a good sort of segue into today's discussion. Um, and I'm just—I looked, I saw an article that Michael Snyder put out called Look at this map, it shows devastating crop losses are literally happening all over the globe. And he says, If what some experts are telling us is true, a global food crisis appears to be inevitable. During good years, we have a real difficult time feeding everyone on the planet, and now a major climate shift appears to be happening. Our sun has become increasingly quiet, exceedingly quiet, and many experts believe that this is a sign that a solar minimum is now upon us. Of course, we've seen solar minimums happen quite regularly in the past, and if this is just a, if this is just a normal solar minimum, then conditions should begin to return to normal after a couple of years. Unfortunately, evidence continues to mount that we have entered what is known as a grand solar minimum. In fact, Professor Valentina Zarkova says that we are facing a super grand solar minimum, and if that's true, we're going to be facing climate chaos like we've never seen before. And during previous grand solar minimums, the globe was gripped by devastating famines and vast numbers of people died. Could a similar scenario potentially be in our future, says Michael. And of course, Michael's also done some articles recently about the economic situation, looking grim, all the indicators are not good. Uh, And there's been a lot of natural disasters happening in various different places. So that brings us to today's topic, which I think is basically preparing for whatever. I'll I'll jump in on that because uh, uh, the the reason I'll start is I want to kind of set the tone. I travel from New Mexico to uh, near Chicago, Illinois, on a pretty regular basis. And this year I traveled in, uh, it was the beginning of June. And I, I actually read an article from Michael Snyder as well. And he was saying it's it's reaching the critical point that the crops have to get in by a certain point in time in, in June. And as I drove, there was, as far as I could tell, it looked like just a few fields were worked 
along the way. And I'm talking about a 1,250-mile journey. Well, of course, there's New Mexico and Texas that are, are pretty dry, and they have to be irrigated. And so that's, that's a little bit different. But beyond that, um, where it wasn't dry, it was exceedingly wet, starting from um, Kansas and beyond. And I had never, ever seen this in my life. Every field in June was not growing. It, there was weeds growing in it. And then I was up in Illinois area for a couple of weeks. Within a couple of weeks, things were changing. All the farmers were in the field and they were in there going at it. But it may be too late. There's root rot, what happens when, when they plant and it's too wet and stuff like that. And it may be, the window may be beyond as well. And I think uh, one person told me, well, the reason they're planting is so they can get crop insurance. They know it's not... Uh, they know the crops going to fail, but this way they, they can at least get insurance if they plant. So I am very concerned about this uh, coming crisis. And I read an article that the Midwest was about 60% planted, uh, if you average it all out. Ohio was like in the worst case scenario. Um, Illinois was, they said 73% planted. And it's like, that's still, you know, that's 20, Illinois is uh, one of the better ones. And uh, if you look at that, that's still 27% is not planted. Uh, that's substantial in itself. But if you look at 60% is planted and how much of that is going to grow, um, that's, that's a very serious problem. It's kind of like we, you, you, the three of us see this crisis coming. Well, many of us see this crisis coming like in slow motion. And we're trying to warn people, folks, we got a big problem. Stock up on some food, get some canned goods, get some rice and beans, get necessary stuff like that. And people are just yawning. I don't, I don't see people um, moving a lot. And I don't have my ear to the rail as good as I should, but uh, that's a big concern of mine is, is this crisis that's coming. There's a whole bunch of other things, but that's, that's an urgency that I have. Yeah, Fred. I'd uh, what I would add to that is that uh, you're right. I've, although I have not seen it firsthand, I I live here in the southeastern part of the United States. I'm, in fact, specifically up here in northeast Georgia, and we've, you know, of course, we here locally have not dealt uh, with those kinds of severe issues. But I've certainly, in the alternative media, have read and seen the pictures, seen the flooding, seen the tractors stuck in the mud um and i've i've read those articles too and i think what's what's really unfortunate is that uh we live in a time where the mainstream news media is just is just flat out not reporting on this um whatever the reason is we could speculate on that draw conclusions on why but they're not reporting on it and um i think the large part of the population still um if they don't see it on TV, if they don't see it on the NBC, CBS, ABC, or even some of the other news outlets, then it's probably not happening and it's just fear-mongering or it's really not that bad. This has not happened before, but you know. And so it's not getting it's not getting the attention that it that it needs. So I think that's a lot has a lot to do with the um maybe what we call apathy on the part of a lot of people and not 
and not either purchasing food. What I would suggest is is doing both. Um, I'm, I happen to live. I moved uh, almost six years ago uh, to the country. I had never lived in the country before. I bought some property. Not that I have a large parcel, but I do have some acreage. And um, I, I I wanted to get away from the suburbs of Atlanta. I moved much further north, and uh, I. In fact, I just came in earlier this evening from my garden. I, I highly, highly encourage people, even if they've got even the smallest piece of property, even if they're on a standard lot, if they're getting any sunlight for six, seven, eight hours a day on any piece of their property, uh, you know, they used to call them victory gardens. And this was during war, I believe it was during World War II, leading into World War II and during World War II. Um, of course, that generation, um, people understood, and and there weren't, you know, the grocery stores that we have now and next day delivery and all that stuff. And so many people were already growing gardens anyway. But I, I highly recommend that people, if they've if they've not done it yet, uh, start learning about it. Um, it's, it's not difficult. It, it's it's it can be a little time consuming, but the rewards are great. I mean, I even posted a picture the other day on our Facebook group of uh, of uh, or yesterday it was just as recent as yesterday uh, of just some stuff I picked just yesterday. And even here, I would add that weather has changed in the last couple of years. Um, and and back to the what you entered the conversation with Tony on the grand solar minimum. Uh, I was uh, not educated on that until probably about six months ago. Uh, I started watching the Adapt 2030 channel, and that's how I found out about Scott Chapman uh, and his work. Uh, and um, they're doing great work, and 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 I'm sure he feels the frustration too of of folks uh, getting that word out to people. Um, so so I think at a basic level, if people could even put in to help supplement, because the reality is, is that even to produce enough food for your, for your family, the amount of space that you would need, if you were relying on that in in its entirety, would be a pretty decent sized parcel, but to at least grow it in part. And then as people have the means to then supplement that even with, um, uh, you know, uh, buying extra food at the grocery store each time they go and do it now because prices have to start going up. It's just simple supply and demand. There will not be the supply, but there will be the demand and the prices are going to start to skyrocket. Uh, of course, if the things do kick into a grand solar minimum, a big one, then growing outdoors is going to be harder, which so I think people will have to end up growing some stuff indoors as well, but uh, yeah, I totally agree that growing some food in gardens is a, is a really good idea for people that can do it. Even if you have a lot of stored goods, you know, like dried goods and canned food and so on, if you've got some greens that you're growing in the garden, lettuces, silver beets, spinach, all of that kind of stuff, you, you could supplement, you know, add that in to the prepared foods that you've got stored. Uh, even if you can't grow masses of stuff, just having some green food is pretty important, I think. Yes. Yeah. And um, I would also add to that, um, I've also been raising chickens for, gosh, 
for the last, well, the last five years since I've lived where I live now. And I just have a small backyard flock. That's another thing. If for folks that live in homeowners associations, a lot of times that's not allowed. Um, uh, but, you know, maybe sometimes even some people, if you had even a couple of hens, it's amazing how much they produce. I have I have a small flock of uh, 10, uh, 10 chickens. They're all they're all hens. I don't have any roosters. And uh, I'm, I'm pulling, you know, they're, they're just a little over a year old. I'm pulling an average eight eggs a day from them. And, um, you know, obviously I don't, you know, everybody understands the protein and whatnot in eggs. And um, I, I'm able to sell surplus and sometimes I give them away. And uh, so, you know, between that and then I also even three years ago, I got into beekeeping, um, kind of fell into that. That's another story all into itself. But I, uh, in, in putting in the garden, uh, and I noticed I never saw too many bees around my area. That's, you know, once again, that's even another story about insect losses uh, and bee losses. So I, you know, I'm a hobbyist beekeeper. I have four hives and they, uh, they pollinate my garden. They pollinate some of the fruit trees I have. They uh, produce obviously honey. Uh, and that, you know, I'm happy, <laughs> I'm happy to say out of two of my hives, I just got through pulling about 110 pounds wow. of, of, of honey off those two wow. hives. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, I was really, and, and cause the other two, I lost two over winter. So out of the four that I went into winter with, I lost two and, um, I did, you know, add two more, uh, two more hives and they're kind of getting started. And so I didn't pull any honey from them, but 110 pounds, which was a pretty good, you know, pretty good haul. So, you know, if we get into a grid down situation or where things are just not available, uh, people, uh, people want their sweets and <laughs> honey lasts literally, uh, forever under the right conditions. Um, it doesn't spoil, it doesn't rot. And, um, it's, it, it sure goes great on a biscuit. you know i i have uh something to chime in on that the sweet part there's a thing called food fatigue and uh if if things go really far south and you know you're stuck eating rice and beans and that's all there is it's so easy right now to supplement uh simple little things like for example I bought a, a little powdered thing and, and it has like 300, I just read it today, as a matter of fact, it's got 345 servings in this little concentrated powder of lemon juice. Well, and then I've got this uh, liquid sweetener. Um, some people will say, oh, that's bad. And other people, it's, I, I blend it with stevia and it's saccharin, liquid sa- saccharin with stevia. And if you do the homework, uh, saccharin is not all that bad. But me personally, I can't have any non-nutritive sweeteners they they give me trouble with the exception of saccharin i have a little problem with vertigo and that's a big problem when it happens but anyway um so that's what i use and and that's really shelf stable that stuff and so if i want to have a nice glass of lemonade i can do it all i need is water and that little bit of powder and mix up the sweetener and there's there's my lemonade so i'm i'm bringing this out to to show that there's a a lot of shelf stable options out there and if and if we use them now then we uh or or apply that thinking now not after the fact like oh gosh i wish i had a a glass of lemonade it's nice hot day and you know i don't really have much food and i'm getting sick of rice and beans and 
and whatever, uh, it, it has an effect that it's got an emotional effect. I went to a, a meeting one time with um, this one person that was really up on, on this kind of stuff. And they talked about what they call food fatigue. And that if you eat the same thing over and over and over again, hey, at least you're eating, right? Well, that can still drive you crazy. And if you can break it up with some other kind of food or a, a spice or something, uh, it's real simple now while you can still get it. And so that's, uh, you know, the, the honey thing, I, w I wish I had bees. <laughs> that's a lot of honey. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I kind of fell into that. I had a friend that had a retiree friend of mine that, uh, was getting out of it because he traveled so much and he gave me a hive and I sat on that hive, that empty hive for like six months. I had no intentions of getting into beekeeping. I didn't know if I, you know, I don't particularly like getting stung, although I'm not allergic or anything, but I, uh, I held onto that, uh, high for six months and then finally a local and this is what i would add to folks too if they're even thinking about it is that they need to find because every just about every town has a local bee uh beekeeping club uh seek that out and uh that's what i did i found actually i found an ad for it on i not remember maybe it was on facebook somewhere and i attended an all-day a basic beekeepers class it was like 50 dollars. it included lunch and even, you know, I'll be honest with you, halfway through the day, I wasn't, uh, I'm still not sure. By the end of the day, I was pretty psyched up. And um, I didn't know anything, nothing, nothing about with bees. And I kind of got into it and, um, and, and, and it's proven to be, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it now. It's, it's, it's a hobby. And once again, it, it, it you know, I, I feel like I'm helping to do my part with, uh, uh, my neighbors appreciate it. Uh, they appreciate the uh, the uh, pollination they're getting, and um, and I, I'm in, I, like I said, I'm on acreage, so I, I'm not living in a homeowner, so I'm not having to worry about you know bees getting onto my neighbor's property and whatnot. But I still do give them uh, a little bit of free honey, so <laughs> but yeah. that that helps too. You, you know it, it, what I'd like to do too here for a second. Um, unless anybody has anything else, I wanted to digress just a little bit to something that's really important because I know in our first call on this, uh, if people remember when we spoke, we, we talked about some of these items, the needs for food storage, the needs for, you know, uh, means of water. Um, and we talked about even, uh, it could be overwhelming and starting off very small and then working up from there. But what's really, really important, and it's something that I've been working on in the last, I'm going to say the last couple of years especially the last year is, is community and community. And when I'm saying that is uh, none of this, uh, and even from a Christian standpoint, we're not meant to be islands in the stream. You know, we're not meant to uh, go at, you know, life alone. Uh, and <clears throat> what I've done, uh, but, but this can be a difficult thing, trying to connect with, and I say like-minded people, trying to connect with others that, feel this need that that are tuned in to what's going on but you don't want to advertise this to to the average joe because for obvious reasons uh i say obvious uh, you don't want them to know maybe you you definitely want to have what they call in the military likes to call opsec operational security uh and and so so where i'm leading here is that uh there's a lot of towns have local groups called cert uh, they're uh, the the it's an acronym uh, for community 
emergency restoration teams. Uh, most of them fall under the county and they fall under the um, Office of Public Safety. Uh, I'm in a small town and they have it. Uh, I actually was certified with CERT in another town I lived in, which was closer to Atlanta. And uh, so I know towns have this and, um, and it falls under FEMA. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that, you know, they set that up. Maybe it was after Katrina. I, I don't remember when, but um, they, they just wanted that count, uh, counties and, you know, local governments uh, had means of uh, people getting involved to help their neighbors in the event of disaster. And that's their part of it. And that's pretty much it. They're not, they're not immediate, but I got involved in that and I got to meet, you know, folks that are in that same like mind. You work elbow to elbow on just doing some volunteer work in your county, and then you're able to start entering into conversations uh, of, of uh, what we're talking about. And, uh, and that's been very helpful. I wanted to know in my local community that, hey, even if a tornado blew through here or if an ice storm came through, uh, who I could rub elbows with, who is in charge, um, who is running the show, what would happen in my local community in the event of any type of whether it's a natural event or a man-made event. And so I, I, I can't stress the point that uh, is, is trying to meet other folks through potentially uh, means like, like like that by joining those types of communities. Yeah, the, the community thing, uh, for me, that's something that I'm really hurting with um, because I'm out in the, I'm, I'm in the lowest, one of the lowest population density areas in the country uh, by design. And um, uh, it's, it's ha it has some challenges. And so one of them is community. And to me, that's huge because you know, if something happens, I'm kind of insulated from it. But on the other hand, um, when all the, you know, picture a, a boat sinking, well, the rats in the boat go, you know, they go and find wherever they can find it for safety. Well, if my lights are on and nobody else is, well, that's, you know, there's, there's problems that come with that. But if I have community, um, then that's, uh, there's, there's safety in numbers and, and I can't stay up 24 hours a day and, and watch and make sure nobody's in my barn and, and so forth and so forth, you know? So when stuff really goes down, then you need this community. And that's a, that's a great starting point, Gary, is what you said there. And then, um, also, you know, with the, the community is also communication. Something we, uh, we all need to do is, um, or should do is, is get, uh, beefed up on uh, ham radio. I've, I've got a ham radio. I don't know how to use it properly. I don't have a license yet. Um, and also, um, that that's another topic that we can go uh, explore one day, uh, in detail. But another thing is, and I just want to plant that seed, uh, the ham radio. And then also another one is a, a, a CB radio, like it, back in the seventies and eighties, everybody had a CB before the car phones, you know, and so, and they used to go around chatting and stuff. Now it's kind of digressed into crappy stuff, but, um, seriously though, if you have a CB base station, that's just a regular <clears throat> CB with an antenna at home. And like in my case, my closest neighbor I can see is about four miles away. 
Um, and, and so if I had a CB and they had a CB, I could communicate with them. And I know there's like-minded people in this small community of large properties where I live. So that, that's a, a part of the community thing is communication and, and, and doing things to foster communication. You know, you, it's funny, every, you say something, you just, you just triggered something with me too, as far as uh, piggybacking off of that. Um, I don't have my ham license either. Uh, that's, that's on my short list to do too, but I do have, um, and, and these I would even recommend to the audience. Uh, if you've been thinking about uh, radios, uh, handheld radios, um, I have several of these uh let me see if I'm saying this right, because they're Chinese Baofeng, spelled B-A-O-F-E-N-G. And they're specifically the models that's out now are the UV, UV-9Rs. They're like, 40, they're like 30 some to $40 on Amazon or through eBay. Uh, they handle everything. They handle ham. And what I have right now, I do have a license. Um, it doesn't require taking a test or anything, but I did buy a license for 10 years. I think it cost me $70 through the FCC for 10 years. And it's on the, it's what's called the GM, GMRS. That's another acronym. And right now I do not, I forget what that means. <laughs> okay. But it's, <laughs> yeah, well anyway, but it's, but it's GMRS radio and they're good for several miles broadcasting. And the organization that I'm in, we use these radios. They're great for what I would call uh, short distance communications. In fact, uh, I, I bought my first two uh, years ago. And uh, recently, and I didn't, you know, I'm retired now. So, I mean, I try to do things uh, over, over time, but I've added two more radios to that to where I have four of those radios now. And my intentions are, but, the two neighbors on each side of me, uh, if we get into a situation, you know, when, you know, bad things happen, uh, I'm going to supply them with a radio. We're going to be able to contact each other. And, uh, but those radios, they, they, I mean, they even have regular FM band on it. They have weather, uh, weather radio, uh, the, you know, your we local weather radio station can be picked up on it. And once again, if you have a ham license, even if you don't have a ham license, you can listen. You can at least get uh, communication, and um, and even the CB. I do have a CB too, um, uh, Fred. Uh, and on my uh, vehicle, my truck, I, I do have the two antennas on there. One is for the CB, and one is for the uh, GMRS. And uh, we use that um, when we have meetings. We we test them because let me tell you one thing about one of those kind of radios. If you don't use it periodically. It isn't like your bicycle. You will forget how to use it. Um, they, yeah, they are very uh, technical. I've got one. And yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of uh, frequencies and there's a lot of this, that, and the other thing to, to learn. And, and that's a very good point is, is exercise. It's practice, practice, practice. And that's what the military does. That's what everybody else does. Also on that note, uh, I went to a meeting locally here Um and um, they were all talking about uh, these radio. Matter of fact, it was about radios. And they had a different brand of radio that most everybody had. But the point, one of the things that they stressed was get the radio with the long whip. Get the longest whip you can. It's like 12 or 14 inches long. It looks a little odd with the radio so long, but they work better with that long, longer whip. And then mm -hmm. you can get a car, 
uh, car holder for it. And there's a whole bunch of options that you can kind of set yourself up so you can use it um, frequently and then also listen with it. Uh, I was at another meeting where a guy had the radio and then a call came. Well, actually, a, the, a siren, uh, something went by with a siren and he picked up his radio and stuck it to his ear and was listening, you know, to what was going on, and which is good, and, and especially in the rural communities. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, totally. Uh, and, of course, with with CB, you don't have to have a license. That's the one advantage with that. Right. Well, that, that, yeah, that's true. And then also another thing, though, um, is, and this is one of the reasons why I'm, I've been dragging my feet, is if things really went down, who cares about a license? You know, you need to communicate. And at least if you have the hardware and you can find somebody that can help you use it, if you don't have time to implement it, at least you've got the hardware. If you don't have it, you can't use it. One one question I have, though, if it's a grid down situation, how are you going to power these things? Well, well you, yeah. you better have that working, <laughs> that part of the situation working. You better have backup power. For, for example, is have you heard the term one is none, two is one, three is two, yep. that kind of thing? Yep. Well, um, in this t- today, I don't know if you guys noticed, I dropped out. That's I lost my satellite link to you guys. Yeah. So now I'm on my phone. And so, you know, I have options. Always give yourself options if you can. Uh, and you know, it, it, it's, you know, we're, we're talking, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about stuff that, that costs money and, and stuff like that. And I understand most people are, <clears throat> are really pinched and more than half the nation were, lives from paycheck to paycheck. That was another one from the economic collapse blog from Michael Snyder, as he pointed out that, that so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, and I understand it. I, I went bankrupt. I I've been there and, um, it, it's you got to recover and you, you've got to make very strategic purchases when these things arise and do what you can. And um, I, I'd like to go back to the gardening real quick or the, the food issue real quick. But I, I are we kind of saturated here with the communication or, or is there more you want to did I? No, I think I, I think we probably covered that one well enough. I think it's just you know having the ability to uh, to communicate when you know if their cell towers aren't available and uh, or they're jammed because everybody's on there panicking and you know um, every and, and you know there needs to be some kind of a plan of alternative communication. So I, I think we we covered that one pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Actually. Um I, I don't even, if you notice our conversation, we didn't even talk about a cell phone. I expect the cell phones to be down. Just expect it. Don't think your cell phone's going to save you. Expect your phone to be down. <laughs> anyway, okay, let me shift gears here and go back to the, the food a little bit. Um, the, you know, talking about how tight things are for people and everything else, you know, I don't, I don't even have a place. I don't even have a, I, I live in a townhouse. I live in an apartment. I live in, you know, uh, I, I can't have a garden. Okay. Well, I can't have a greenhouse. Okay. Well, do you have an inside of your house? <laughs> um, and the point I'm making is there's videos out there. If you start get going on these, it's very interesting. You can raise a ton of food in a barrel, a 55-gallon drum. You can modify it so the sides, you like you cut slots in the sides, you heat up above the slot and you push it in with your hand. So it makes like this little terrace 
and then the dirt, you, you fill it up with dirt and the dirt kind of sticks out and you grow stuff. And it's like this like gigantic green thing the barrel turns into. So just a barrel can produce a lot of food inside your house. So you don't, sorry, I just got, you know, you don't have any more excuses. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. you have to get going on this. You got to get, you know, and then there, seriously though, there's, there's buckets. If you can't get a barrel into your house, you know, and you do it a little bit at a time. You, you're not going to get a barrel full of dirt in your house, but no. if you get a barrel and then bring a bucket full of dirt in, you know, in, in 10 trips, that's 50 gallons of dirt. If you know, you, you can do the math, but, or you could use buckets or planters, or there's plenty of ways to supplement your food. I I've, I've seen a video where a guy lived in an apartment. He actually had an income from the food he was raising. Not a lot, but it was, it was more than he needed out of his apartment. Obviously he was totally into it, but that's there the was... point I'm making is, is growing indoors. And then another thing that, uh, Scott Chapman brought up was in the next couple of years with this grand solar minimum coming on us. And Tony, do you remember when it, did he say it started in 2017? It turned the corner in 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. Now he said there was some major commercial farmer that made a comment that he's starting to see the UV something um, that is affecting the growth of plants and it's, it's, it's slowing the growth down. They aren't producing as much as they did before because of this UV. UVF, I think you said it was from memory. What was it? I think it was UVF. UVF. Okay. And so with this getting through because of the grand solar minimum, it's messing the the um, magnetic um, magnetosphere. So, yeah, and so now the Earth is is protected as it was, and so stuff is getting through, and so it's like a double whammy, and it it's just going to be exponentially worse very quickly. Not not like next week or next month, even next year, but we're going to start feeling the effects of it, and and it's going to be some very serious. Well, well, Fred, you know, I said this uh, earlier and I didn't expound on it, but uh, back back to, uh, on that on that note uh, in the last two years. And, you know, sometimes you say, well, this might be just a one off year, one off. Now that we know, of course, there's this grand solar minimum. But last year and this year, I planted I could not plant my garden as early as I normally for me. And most people say, you know, uh, Easter. It used to be like Easter, what you're or or mid-April after that point. Well, I, I I ended up having to go to about mid-May before I could plant. Uh, number one, first of all, we were having an unusually cool and long spring. Now it wasn't. In fact, this is the first year we didn't get any snow at all here in Northeast Georgia, which is not unusual in itself. But we've been averaging usually a couple times a year we'll get some snowfall. We did not get any snow this year, and uh, during you know uh, the, the 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 spring lasted longer than it usually does weather was cooler and we were extremely wet very very wet i mean if it would have continued 
I mean, it, it was almost like, um, well, I don't want to compare it to what they went through in the, 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 the what they've gone through in the middle of the country. But we were getting some very wet weather. And then all of a sudden that stopped abruptly. And then we had three to almost four weeks of not a drop of rain to where we were crying for it again. Because then we got <laughs> into we got into the mid-90s, uh, well before the summer. And just bizarre uh, weather extremes. They were just extremes. The pendulum swang both ways. And so, you know, literally, um, I did pick some beans last week, but when I showed that little picture of just what that one day, I'm just now starting to get tomatoes and stuff where normally this would have, uh, usually weeks ago, I would have been picking, uh, harvesting. And so I, and, uh, I, I understand, I mean, this is, and, and we're, we're in the South, now I'm not in Florida, uh, but I am in Georgia, North Georgia, and uh, it's different here. It's, it is definitely different. And if this is, you know, once again predicted to get increasingly worse, uh, I'm going to be looking at building a greenhouse or something, which I don't have right now because I've never needed one. Uh, but I'm looking, I'm looking seriously now about uh, building a, uh, you know, a pretty good greenhouse so that uh, I can get the the heat you know, that I need to be able to start planting earlier than I normally would be. You know, a lot of people that are not fortunate enough to have a lot of land, you know, some of those people who have a conservatory like on their house or a sunroom, which could be quite, you know, easily turned into a sort of a, a greenhouse if necessary. And uh, so right. that's, a, you know, something that people could consider if, if they don't have, you know, a lot of land or if they're in a city. Well, I hope we we poke you know the people's brains into thinking. Oh, wait, I can do this. You know, even if you're in the city or wherever you're at, you can do some of these things to offset. You don't have to do everything. You don't have to do a hundred percent of your own food, which would be great. But if you could do some, at least do half or a quarter or even ten percent. One, it's kind of fun to do, and then two, it it saves quite a bit of money. And then, you know, of course, you know, that's, don't even need to discuss that. But what I, I keep coming back to the Scott Chapman uh, video that you did with him. And Tony, that was just profound for me. I knew the sunspots and the, the sun has cycles and so forth and so forth. But this was like, wow. And, and you know, somebody, a lot of people on YouTube, uh, you, you get opinion, 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 and maybe a little bit of fact. Yeah. This guy was not giving his opinion. And when you asked his opinion, he wouldn't give it. He didn't have fact. <laughs> so, I mean, in my mind, he's somebody to, that is just well worth listening to. So if you're listening to this and you haven't seen the Scott Chapman video or heard it, uh, go back to it. And it was, what was it, last week? Yes, Early? yes, three or four days ago, five days ago, whenever it was. Yep. Yeah. And so... Uh, it, it'll it'll really open your eyes. To, and there's a lot of information that he gives, and he tries to give it at a basic level, and that's uh, it's well worth going back to. And you know, again, this is this is a slow motion crisis that's coming at us. Okay, all the food, all the flooding, uh, the world's food supply is is noticeably down. I mean, everybody, many countries are saying they're 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 producing less this year. So. It's still on the shelves and all that. And, and so make preparations for that. One, I've, I've stocked up on canned items. Normally it's, it's, it's the dry goods and then, and that kind of thing. 
now I'm shifting focus. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, a matter of fact, I, I found a sale on uh, cream corn. This is going to sound funny. I don't like cream corn, but guess what? I like yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't care for it either. But hey, but <laughs> but, it but was you ten know, cents a can. So for, guess what? I yeah, there you go. I like cream. I, I like cream it. corn now. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I learned to like it, and it, and I got it. I I got ten cases of it. Yeah. You know, and, and I was taking advantage of. Now my corn, I'm I'm set. Even yeah. though you could say, well, that's the GMO corn. You know what? If you have a choice of no corn and GMO corn. I'll take the GMO stuff and that's genetic. That's the Monsanto stuff. So, you know, for something you said earlier um, that I wanted to make a mention of real quickly too. And I read this quite a long time ago, several years ago um, is that uh, you really have to have a balance on the food. Um, I I heard, you know, normally uh, let's face it. Our normal meals are, we're not bulking up on beans and rice with every meal and everything. Mm -hmm. They said that literally, People that if you made that shift to all of a sudden, you know, you've, yeah, I've got, you know, 50 pounds of beans and I've got 50, that if you started just eating that type of uh, massive fiber, at, you know, without balancing it with protein and some other things, it can really cause gastrointestinal problems. And I, you know, <laughs> not some of the, <laughs> some of the <laughs> obvious things, but, but no, in all seriousness, and I, and I, and, and I'm speaking from a, an article I read quite a long time ago. So I, I can't uh, add too much more to that other than to say is that it's very important to balance. Here's the reality is you need to buy what you normally eat. You need to you need to stock up on what you normally eat, and what I would also say is, uh, like you found that great sale. Well, I don't know how many of you all have like an Aldi's. Uh, they have, you know, they're about a third. You know, the cost of canned goods and stuff is is at least like a third. It would be what normal grocery stores when they run a good sale on canned goods and stuff. That's their normal pricing. So you know, in the last month, even um, uh, I had to do some rotating. There's stuff that I bought years ago that I literally finally had to say, you know, um, you know, I need to, I need to change some of this stuff out. So, um, but, but, but canned meats, canned goods. I mean, you can buy canned, uh, DAC, uh, hams for two ninety nine at Aldi, where I see in some other grocery stores, they're, you know, four ninety nine or something. So it's very important to have protein. It's very important to have the canned goods. It's very important if you can to have some staple items like the, uh, you know, pasta and rice and beans and sugar and, uh, wheat. Um, I, I would recommend if you can get one as a grain mill, uh, so you can make bread, uh, things like that. And back, you know, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but back to what you said too earlier, Fred, about people living in apartments or townhomes or condominiums and saying, I, I can't grow anything or whatever. But uh, if you can, you, you know, they, they have containers, uh, you know, uh, uh, plastic containers that are long and, and not very, uh, uh, you know, short in height that you can put stuff under your bed. I mean, you can literally pack them with food and put it under your bed. You know, it's out of the way. No, nobody's going to see it, um, and it's and, and and it's and it's a good place to store if you have a limited area, uh, you know, uh, of where of where you live and for 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 storage. It's interesting. Yeah, you mentioned wheat very briefly. See, I've not had any uh, at this point, but I, I mentioned to Matt, who writes articles from minute to midnight. The other day, and he said, "Ah, well, I've actually just discovered these couple of places that are in this area that 
sell organically grown wheat in 25 kilogram sacks. And it's like, okay. And so I said, well, forward us the info. So he forwarded it to me and he forwarded it to Chris, who originally started in a minute to midnight with me. So now the three of us are going, okay, this looks really good. So we'll look into it, the three of us kind of thing. So that's sort of a little sure. bit of that community thing. Plus, this is how it works. One finds something. And it's like, oh, great, you you know, someone's done the research. Now we piggyback off that research, you know, and get some wheat because wheat will last, if you store it in a dry place, it'll last for a long, long time. So it's not like you have to use it next week or even next year. One thing about that, Tony, if you can, and I don't know how it is, if it's, it, hopefully it's not already ground because what you really no, want to no, get. Not. It's, it's not ground. Okay, good. Yeah, you want to get the berries. They call them like a hard red wheat or or white uh, hard red winter wheat, like berries, uh, because they they will last a very long time. If it's if it's already ground into like a flower or something like that, yeah. the shelf life on it yeah. drops dramatically. Yeah. yeah, and of course you get weevils and all of that. You know, flower it doesn't keep. So yeah, that, then obviously you have got to be able to keep them keep everything st- uh, safe from mice and rats. I think yep. it matters where you are in the world, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You so, know, I've I've made a, a a couple of videos regarding the uh, the food and the processing of wheat. I, I I bought a, well, I guess I could say literally a ton of it, but I processed a lot of it and uh, brown rice, which is a no no. But so, so far, it's it's uh, been over uh, it's been over eight years now, and we're still using it. Um, and then uh, it's all been organic and uh, GMO free. And um, also, uh, something else is um, uh, what else did I get? I, I've 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 golden wheat. I've red wheat. I've got um, all in the berries. And what? Oh, and, and anyway, the point I'm making is, I, I packed it. I bought these special square buckets, and they're four four gallon buckets, not five. And it it just worked out to where it was 25 pounds a bucket. And so I would bought these Mylar bags and then I used a vacuum cleaner with a copper tube on it. And I, you know, made sure everything was clean. Whenever you're messing with food for long-term storage, especially bulk items, everything has to be squeaky clean hands, just everything. Anyway. So the, I I created a system and, and packaged it in a big bulk way. And so a Mylar bag like your six gallon mylar bags, heavy wall. You put that in there, you put the rice or beans or whatever you're packing away, and then you heat seal it. You can use an iron. I bought a special heat sealer, a five row heat sealer. And then the last little corner, you suck all the air out with the vacuum cleaner. But wait, before you get the air out, you throw in an oxygen absorber, which is basically powdered iron. And when that, uh, oxidizes it eats up all the oxygen that's in that mylar bag with the uh, 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 grain that's in there and so or beans or whatever and then uh, so there's no oxygen so you don't get weevils you don't get anything but it stores really good and really long and then you take your vacuum cleaner and you suck out all the air and then it's vacuum um, then you seal it with a vacuum on it and it's like a brick when you're done. It's so solid. And then you, and then that, that, of course you do that in the bucket and then, uh, you put the lid on the bucket and you're good to go. It's going to last for a long, long, long time. And, um, uh, and, and so 
that's that's important. But now I think we're getting to the point where we need to really look at the next two, three years and canned goods will easily handle a couple, three years without any problem. Most right. good. Yeah, even beyond that, really. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to give people a quick checklist. I've got the checklist on our A Minute to Midnight website with a little bit more detail, but just a 10-point checklist what can happen during an economic collapse, which would also apply to any other natural disaster, really. It doesn't have to be an economic collapse. It can be a food you know, shortage um, due to... Uh, natural disasters like hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes or whatever. So, number one, food shortages can happen. So you need to be prepared, which is what we've been covering. Number two, medicine may become scarce during an economic collapse. So you want to make sure you've got plenty of that if you are needing medicines to have a certain amount of that stocked up. Uh, The power grid might fail. So you got to think, how would you light your place? And um, I know some people go, oh, we'll get a generator and whatnot. But then you have to also consider you don't really want to be the only house in the area that's lit up like a Christmas tree if no one else has got power. So, yeah, you mate. you know, you've got to have options, uh, candles and solar power and whatever else, different options. So cover your bases with that one. Um, during an economic collapse, you can't even take water for granted. So you've got to make sure you've got water. You know, water stored and ways of purifying water if it does get to the point where your stored water has run out. Your credit cards and debit cards may stop working, so you've got to think, what have you got? Can you barter? Um, do you have silver or gold or other items that you can barter in that situation? Number six, crime, looting and rioting can become commonplace during an economic collapse. So you've got to think, how are you going to protect yourself and your family and your assets? Number seven, uh, many people will start bartering. So that goes back to the same other one with the no um, cash. Well, because the other one, you may want to have cash on hand as well. But bartering, what can you barter? Number eight, your currency may rapidly lose value during an economic crisis. So at that point, if that's the case, then this is where you're definitely going to want to have some silver or if you can afford gold as well. So you've at least got one or other or both of those. Number nine, you can't be sure of continuous employment or ongoing business. So think about what can you actually do, alternative ways to make money or doing business. And number 10, which I think is a kind of an important one that (laughs) goes around all the other nine, the government will not save you. <laughs> that's that's for sure. Matter of yeah. fact, they they may hurt you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me touch on a couple of things that I, I just want to plant some seeds. Now, the government tells us if we go to ready dot ready gov dot gov or ready ready dot gov. Yeah. Okay, ready dot gov. Well, they're telling us that we should have a go bag or a bug out bag. Do you have one? I mean, the people that are listening, do you actually have one? Have you taken the time to do it? There's a, a many, many videos out there that will help you put one together. And there's some that are kind of extreme and they're very well-seasoned preppers. And you, you may not need to go that far, but, but if you need to get out of your house in a moment, what are you going to have with you? What do you, you know, do you have one in your car? Do you have one that you carry with? And every member of the family should have something that they can carry 
Um, the best thing is a backpack. So that's something to consider. And there's uh, many videos on, uh, Tony, do we have any in the archives? Uh, we do. Um, there is articles as well. Matt's put did some articles on bug out bags, which you can find on the A Minute to Midnight website. Uh, the the article okay. that Matt did on that, or several articles, are not you know not that new, but they definitely got a lot of good information on them. Plus, yeah, there's been some in some of our videos in the past as well. There's a, another thing I wanted to touch on that really quite often gets glossed over. And that's personal safety. Okay, we talk about personal protection. And whenever you're, uh, you have a tool of that kind of <laughs> gun or knife or whatever, you have to respect it very, very carefully, right? Because you don't want to injure yourself, especially during a grid down situation. Well, personal safety is even more uh, important. I mean, even safety glasses. If you look at the military guys nowadays, they all wear safety glasses. Because guess what? You get poked in the eye or you get a, a thing in your eye, what are you going to do? You're going to stop what you're doing. And you're going to attend to your eye because it's really drives you crazy. Mm. So consider that. Consider personal safety, whatever <laughs> that looks like to you. Everybody's situations are different. Everybody has different needs and you know, they get involved in different things and, and that kind of thing. So those three things, the, the, the personal protection, the personal safety, and then a go bag, consider that there's, there's articles out there. Um, and we should probably try and get, get the, um, archives in a minute to midnight, uh, with some of that. And I, I have some, uh, ET prepper is my, uh, YouTube name and I have some, videos that I've made for food processing and stuff. And I will put them if I don't already have them, I'm not sure. Did I put them on there yet, Tony? Um, there are some, uh, yeah, on the a minute to midnight.com website, we have a forum and one of the sections is about survival and prepping. And Fred, I suggest that you maybe put some of your videos more than I know there are some, uh, on there if then, and people can find your channel that way if they want as well as well of course they can go to youtube and find it under et prepper uh but yeah it would be good to have a kind of an archive on the midnight forum too i think yeah when i made the especially the one about the long-term food storage i hadn't seen anybody put a whole you know from start to finish video together in other words what they they something that they worked for them and it was one piece of the puzzle, and I put the whole thing together. Anyway, I tried to do that. I'll, I'll put some some of the food preparation ones up, uh, dehydrating and yeah. um, making green green food out of the stuff that's in your lawn. I've got I've got one of those. Um, and and again, if the if if you don't have uh, Gary, you were saying you know we need uh, green food as well, not just rice and beans, but right to, to balance it. And, um, this powder that I made, it was, it's amazing how much, uh, leafy stuff, uh, that it took to make this little bit of powder. Anyway, that's, uh, I'll put them up there on, uh, the archives, Tony. Sounds good. So Gary, have you got any thoughts there you want to add uh, before we close? Sure. Uh, in, in closing, I, I, and I, I think I remember this from our last talk sometime back, um, some of the some of the feedback that we got on the YouTube channel 
and uh, and I'll even say that this was some feedback even uh, in in my in my church when I was going to at one when I was talking to a small group that I was in regarding kind of this subject. Um, there's always, I say always, there's always a little bit of pushback on the spiritual side of things. And um, I know most most of the listeners, I believe, uh, to admitted to midnight are um, are are Christians. Uh, in, in uh, well, I'm going to address this to the Christian audience, uh, if even if you're not. But um, is that first of all, you need to have your spiritual house in order. I, I think beyond anything else, um, you know, I I believe on a personal level in in in, in being right with God and uh, th- through through Jesus, my Lord. And um, I know there are those that believe that, um, as I've heard it said, Jesus is just going to take care of me. And well, yeah, ultimately he, he's going to take care of all of us that are believers. But I also know that there are uh, spiritual, I say, I say, scriptural references in the Bible that I could point out uh, to preparedness, not just sitting back doing doing nothing. Um, none of us know uh, how much time we have left. None of us know. Although we all, I think, are arguably, I think we all know that we're we're in the, the end of days, uh, and um, we don't know how long that's going to last. God's timetable is not our timetable, so not getting into dates, times, or anything, but just in the world that we're living in right now, which which is getting increasingly more evil, increasingly more uh, concerning. I mean, we've just talking about this grand solar minimum. That's that's just kind of relatively, relatively speaking, new. That's on top of all the other things going on, the powder keg in the Middle East, the uh, uh, the things even going on within the United States, and just, just a plethora of things that are happening. It seems like all at the same time, and I believe it's all emerging. Back to my point is that I believe it is scriptural. I believe you are not uh, you know, lacking faith. By taking steps to take care of yourself, your loved ones, by being prudent, by doing things uh, to uh, to help improve life as as long as we're still here, uh, we don't know uh, when the tribulation period will begin. There could be a long period before that that things aren't very good, and it's not considered the tribulation, right? So for for those of you that maybe would scoff at uh, uh, preparing, thinking that it's not, uh, you're not being faithful, you're being fearful. I don't have any fear. I mean, if, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, I know where I'm going to end up. Uh, I know where I'm, I'm headed, but it, between now and that time where <laughs> I expired in this mortal body, I want to make sure that I do the most that I can, um, w- reasonably, uh, to to take care of myself and my family, uh, I I would be remiss if not doing so, and so that's I would just leave it with that, um, and uh, and then and then live life to its fullest. Jesus came so that we would give us abundant life, and so we should be living life abundantly now, not in fear, uh, but uh, but in you know just in preparation. Uh, just that simple. Fantastic, awesome way to um, finish up. 
there, Gary. I, I want to thank both of you guys um, for uh, the show's gone really fast. We'll have to do something again to on some more of these topics and perhaps in a few weeks' time. So thanks heaps, Gary and Fred, and I want to thank both you guys for the work you do in the A Minute to Midnight Facebook group as moderators as well. Um, and folks, we really want to you know, offer these guys a lot of thanks for the efforts that they put in there. So thanks heaps, guys. It's been a great discussion. Thank you, Tony. Nice talking to you both. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Gary. You have a great night. You too. So, folks, make sure you check out the aminutetomidnight.com website and particularly the survival and prepping section in relation to this video where we have articles and videos and so on. And, of course, we do have other articles on various topics and our shows are all published on the A Minute to Midnight website as well as on YouTube and iTunes and don't forget to like the video on YouTube if that's where you're watching it and make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel following our website and probably even joined onto the forum is a good idea as well. You can donate to A Minute to Midnight if you want to on our website we do run this completely by donations and also the music is written, played and recorded by me and if you want to download it, you can download it for free on the A Minute to Midnight website as well. So that's it for this show. Uh, may God bless you and give you a great week, all of you. And hopefully we'll be back in a few days' time with another episode of the show. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.